Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 269 for the 21st of Av in a leap year. So have you ever had your words taken out of context, especially online? <laughs> I mean, this has definitely happened to me. And I know that in our cult- culture of social media and public shaming and everything, this happens way more often than it should. And if it has happened to you, it's a very, very, very frustrating experience. And it's really annoying. And it can be really disheartening and very hurtful sometimes when people take something that you said and you did not mean it in any kind of malicious way, but somehow it's taken totally out of context and you're uh, presented as being like the most worst person on earth. So this idea of being taken out of context in that way. Another way to think of it is being held in captivity. Your words are held in captivity. And what do we feel when we think about a captive that's held wrongly captive? What is a natural sense that we can have when we recognize that, oh, wow, like imagine, let's say you hear about somebody said something really awful and they're quoted and you're like, oh my gosh, that's such a horrible thing. But then you find out that they're falsely accused, that they didn't actually mean that their words were taken out of context. They didn't mean what people are saying that they meant. You're going to have compassion on them, right? Most likely, if you're a good person, right? Uh, there's actually a whole book about this this particular topic, which I entitled today's episode based on that. It's called So You've Been Publicly Shamed by John Ron- Ronson, just all about the harm that this public shaming culture that we have does for people. And reading that book really gives you an insight into the amount of compassion that we should have for people who have been publicly shamed in this way even if this has never happened to you yourself. And this is what we're going to be learning about today. We're going to be learning about arousing the sense of compassion on the deepest part of ourselves, the deepest part of our souls, which just like that Twitter post or, or whatever it is, is possibly taken out of context. Our souls are taken out of context. Our souls were removed from their source. And our, our, our deepest godly soul, this is a spark of God himself who has no place here. This is not the place for him. This is totally out of context of its home. And through arousing this sense of compassion in our souls, this is going to arouse a deep sense of compassion above. And that's, that's what we're going to be learning about today. And this is going to be part of a deeper, a, a more, a more in-depth discussion about the whole idea of giving charity, which, as we've mentioned, is a very big theme of this this section of the Tanya, the Yer Sakodesh, is the, just many, many letters of the Alter Rebbe explaining why it's important to give tzedakah and trying to urge his chassidim to give lots and lots of tzedakah. And the bigger 
uh, theme of this particular epistle that we're going to be learning is about the connection between compassion and truth and about how specifically Yaakov Avinu is associated with the attribute of compassion and how when we really tap into that compassion, then God grants us a sense of truth. God grants us the attribute of truth. And we're going to learn about what that means. That the focus on truth and what that means in being granted truth is going to be more the focus of tomorrow's episode. Today, we're going to really talk about this sense of compassion and how and why we really should have compassion on our on our captive souls. So let's get into the text and see how the Altar Rebbe explains this. And we'll take it from there. Oh, and so for context, this is a new epistle. It's Epistle 6 of Igeris HaKodesh. And so here we go. So the this epistle begins with a verse from Mishlei, chapter 11, where it says, Zoret Staka Secher Emet, which means that he who sows Staka has a reward of truth. So what does that mean exactly? So uh, so a lot of commentaries exp- interpret this to mean that this means that somebody who gives a lot of tzedakah will get a true reward. They'll be, they'll be given a reward and they're guaranteed to get a reward. Like, we don't have to worry about it. God is going to be truthful. He's going to give us a, word, a reward. But the Ultra Rebbe interprets it slightly differently. And he says that the meaning of this is that the reward for giving tzedakah is the attribute of truth. So truth itself is the reward. It's not that the reward will be truthful and that we'll truly get a reward. It's that the reward that we get is truth, truth itself. So what does that mean exactly? So first, the Altar Rabbi actually brings another citation. This one is from Micha, chapter 7, verse 20, where it says, Titen emet Yaakov, you give truth unto Yaakov, which again indicates this thing of like, you know, God giving truth, granting truth, even though again, there are opinions that say that this too, that you give truth unto Jacob, into Yaakov, is uh, is what that's saying really is that like, it's it's like, petitioning Hashem and it's saying that Hashem you said that you were going to reward Yaakov like the Jewish people with all of these good things so be truthful about it and give them that reward but the Ultra Rebbe explains this differently and he brings support for this opinion from the Zohar which explains <clears throat> that this uh, that this Pasuk from Micha is actually praising God it's not petitioning God but it's praising God for giving truth to Yaakov so the explanation is that God, in fact, gives this attribute of truth to Yaakov. We have to understand this. Like, is, does, is Yaakov not truthful? <laughs> like, is, does Yaakov not have already the attribute of truth that he needs to be given this from above? And so the Ultra Rebbe begins his explanation here, and this is going to uh, lead us a little bit on a journey for today that's going to be concluded in tomorrow's section, where he says that it's known that the attribute of Yaakov is the attribute of Rahmanis, the attribute of compassion. So it's like there's different, just to give a little background for that, uh, of our forefathers, each one of the forefathers sort of like represented an archetype of a different attribute. So Avraham, as we've mentioned, represented the archetype. He epitomized the, the attribute of kindness, of chesed. Yitzchak, on the other hand, represented the archetype of Gvora. And then we have Yaakov, and Yaakov represented the attribute of compassion of Rahmanus, which is associated with Tiferet, which is the next one in the Midos, you know, Chesed, Gvura, Tiferet. And so 
this uh, this service of God through compassion, this comes about how how what does it mean that that Yaakov served Hashem with compassion? And when we tap into this attribute of compassion and like serving God like Yaakov, this comes about through arousal of the the great uh, compassion within the heart of a person on the spark of godliness that's found in their soul that's very far from the light of God in it's going about in the darkness of this world. So this is what I mentioned in the introduction, that it's like the ultimate compassion, like this like serving Hashem out of compassion. How do we do that? It's when we really tap into our godly souls and we recognize how far our godly souls are from their home, how our godly souls are trapped within this physical body. They're trapped in this physical world. And, uh, and, and we feel this compassion for it. And how do we arouse this compassion? How do we come to the state of like feeling this sense of compassion for our godly souls? This is through meditation and contemplation on the, and really knowing the greatness of God. So what does it mean to know the greatness of God? We think about, and we think about the fact that, uh, uh, all of the supernal worlds, like the ones that are really high up that up to an infinite degree, like really, really all the lofty worlds are all considered like not and nothing for him. And that all of their vitality, like when we think of all the spiritual worlds, we think about the angels, we think about the souls, we think about the, you know, the higher spheres, the Attilus, Bria, like all these different things, they're all coming just from a small ray, a very small ray that comes from God's name. As it says, and this is written a few times in, in different places in, in the Gemara, and we spoke about this just recently, that the, 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 uh, the, the world to come was created through the letter Yud. So meaning to say that this Yud is just a very small ray and a very small radiance, which is uh, coming from, it's, it's, emanate, it's coming out from the vitality from God's name in order to give life to the, um, to the higher worlds and to the lower worlds. And sure, we know that there's a difference between the higher worlds and the lower worlds. We just learned about this recently, right? That we know that our world is created through the letter Hey, which is, is an even further remove removance from this Yod. So it's like really like whether we're talking about the higher worlds or the lower worlds, it's like it's it's merely just a very, very small radiance from God's light. And so too, when we think about the details of all the worlds, like it's like how we, you know, we, we tend to get very fascinated. Let's say you go to the zoo, you see all the different creatures, you go to the park, you go to, you see like one of the wonders of creation of the world. We get overwhelmed by all the details and we get very like uh, in awe of all of this. But all of this, we when you come to realize that all these variations in creation, all of these different things, they only come about through the different combinations of the letters. And so too, not only is this true in terms of like the physical things in the world, the actual details of our world, that their ultimate source actually is just merely by that it's their origin is the, is the letters. It's the different combinations of, of the Hebrew letters. So too, when we talk about the difference in time, when we talk about the past, present, and future, to us, these things are very different. There's a constant flux in the world. There's a dynamism. Things are always changing. And so too, when we think about the events across time, we think about history, world history, different presidents, different eras, different nations, all that stuff. They all come merely from the combination of 
of the letters. I shouldn't say merely because it's not like, oh, nothing. It's but really to understand the origin that all everything in the world is godly in origin. And these letters, these different combination of the letters, where do they come from? They come from the influence and the vitality of God's attributes. As is explained in depth, in Shariachudvamuna, the second part of Likutamarim and chapter eleven. So we learned about this previously. You can go back and look that up to learn about it in more depth if you'd like to. But the basic idea, as we learned and as we're reviewing now, is that everything comes from God from the letters of God. All of the creations of the world, they all stem from different permutations and combinations of the letters. However, yes, there's this vast diversity within the world that we live in. Like there's just so many different things and a multiplicity of different things. But then we go back to God. And what do we say about God? What do we say about God's essence? Well, we can look in Malachi chapter three, verse six, where it says, Ani Hashem shiniti. I, God, did not change. Whether we're talking about the different progressions from world to world, the shelterless from the higher worlds to the lower worlds, uh, how God, we see that God is like found is in the higher worlds is exactly equal like he is found in the lower world. So it's like we see this multiplicity to us. It's like there's such a vast difference between heaven and earth, really. But really, there is no difference from God's perspective. God is equally present and is equally unchanging. It's all the same to him. And this is explained further in depth in Likutea Marim, part one. So that's that's Sefer Shilbanonim, the first part of Tanya in chapter 51, how it's like, well, we talk about any of the worlds, whatever they are, it's, it's like in relation to God, there is no difference. God did not change. And so too, when we talk about the differences in time, to us, past, present, and future is like so different. It's like such a different reality when you were a little kid, when you are how old you are now, last year, this year. Uh, but for God, God is the same God. He's the same God and he's He's unified and he's, uh, he's one and alone and unique the same way that he was before the six days of creation and now after the six days of creation. So how could this be? How could it be that God is who's the source of all of these differences that we experience in our world? He himself doesn't change. What's that about? It's because all of these things, all of these creatures are really considered like not, not and nothing in comparison to God's essence and his being. So a way that we can try to understand this really is that Altarba gives us a muscle. He gives us a, an analogy. He says that like, if you think about like one letter of a person's speech or one, uh, or, or a person's thought in relation to the essence of their soul, of their rational soul, then you know, this is something that we can kind of try to understand. So it's like, basically, like right now, like I'm speaking and so many words are ushering out of my mouth, right? But like each one of those words in comparison to me, in comparison to the essence of who I am is like nothing, right? Like that's not like you couldn't just like, let's say if you took like a snapshot of like one word that I said or one letter of the word that I said, or even a whole sentence and you just like, edited out that sentence and then you said, okay, this is, this is Sarid. This sentence is Sarid. It's like, obviously we realize that's not me. I have, I am way beyond that sentence. It's like the true me to, in terms of the true me in relation to the true me, that sentence is nothing. It's not even an anything. It's like, it's so, 
it's so like not uh, a reflection of the essential aspect of who I am. So that it's like if somebody never ever met me and all they're seeing is like that one sentence, how much do they really know about me really, right? And the ultra Oprah says that even when we think about this analogy, it's actually there's no comparison to God. So it's like we use this analogy of a person and their thoughts or their speech in order to try to understand this idea of how God is so beyond uh, all of these, all of his creations and all the the multiplicity of his creations. But really, it's like we can't even compare it. It's so totally different. And the ultra verse says that all of this is explained elsewhere in the, in the second part of Likutei Amaram. So that's again, Shari Chutba chapter nine. And you should see that, look at it there. So really that whole book of Shari Chutba really talks about a lot of these ideas, the creation of the world. And the ultra best says that this is why we say in davening, we say, which means that the king is very high and exalted alone uh, on his own, just like he was before. And then the ultra best says that what is this like from just like he was before? Like basically that Hashem is just as exalted now as he was before. The ultra best says this is alluding to before the creation of the world, that there was just him alone. So just as he was back then, he is just now just as exalted and just as uh, as elevated like he ever was. Meaning to say, the main idea is that when we talk about this idea of Hashem being exalted, of Hashem being high up there, like elevated, what, what do we mean by this? It means that we're saying that he's beyond time because time is called Yemot Olam, the days of the world. And so since the entirety of the vitality of this Yomotolam, this this days of the world, it comes only just from God's attribute of kingship, as is explained elsewhere. So it's like basically the bottom line that the ultra is trying to bring to us here, bring home to us, is just how lofty God is and how God, essentially speaking, is like beyond all of this. He's not changed by the happenings of the world by the different diversity in the world and all of this. And so when we recognize this, this is where our meditation, we bring the meditation home. When we recognize how great and how exalted God is, then this is going to make us feel this great sense of Rahmanas, this great sense of compassion on this spark of this godliness that is dwelling here in our bodies, in this lowly and dark body, in this mashcha de chavaya, it's called in the Tikkunei Zohar, which is the height of the snake. That's how the body is referred to sometimes, which is able to receive impurity and is able to become defiled with all kinds of different lusts, God forbid, uh, if not for God protecting it. And uh, and for God giving us strength to be able to fight against the the body and against the uh, against our tivas and in order to um, in order to to fight against them and to win against them, and this is the meaning says the altar Rabbi, of this of what we say in a prayer. Master of our strength, shield of our salvation. So it's like Hashem is protecting us from really going all out there and like descending into this horrible place. So this is the, so this is where the compassion comes in. So it's like, again, let's say we go back to that example of like, when I was saying like, I'm giving over this podcast, let's say somebody never met me ever again. And somebody edited out my podcast and just took like a line of what I said and took it totally out of context. And then took this line totally out of context and posted it somewhere on Twitter. Let's say this happens all the time. This is something we can really relate to. And 
then people have a totally wrong impression of me. And this like line almost like takes on this life of its own. Like not really because it's ultimately I'm the person who said the phrase. Like nobody can actually change my voice. I mean, nowadays with technology, I guess you could do that (laughs) with some kind of illusion. But the, um, the ultimate like saying of what I said is mine. But that saying that I said could be taken, God forbid, into like who knows where, who knows what people can do with this quote. We see this all the time that people take these quotes that people say and bring them into all kinds of different places. And so when we recognize this, when we recognize that this is what happened to God, this is what happened to to uh, to the essence of God when he brought himself in the spark in and made himself dwell in this world within our bodies, because we all have a part of this spark with a part of God within us, the spark of godliness. It's like, we're going to have a lot of Rahmanas, right? Out of context, God is how out of context your godly soul is, is going to arouse within you this sense of deep, deep, deep compassion. And so that's where we're up to today. And tomorrow we're going to continue along this lines, these lines and, um, and, uh, and, and we'll get more into this, uh, how compassion is linked to truth. So I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of blessed memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.